Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I just wanted to bring my weekly offering to you to talk to you today about why not live a holy life. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, I'm reading out of the ESV. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You know, several years ago, my oldest daughter, Tammy, and her husband, Ron, went to the coast, which they often do. They enjoy having those outings. As usual, they decided to scope for shells along the beach. That was a hobby that they really enjoyed to do together. They went out early one morning before the tide came in and found lots of shells and sand dollars. Some shells housed living things. What if they thought, had thought, now they didn't, but what if they had thought these live creatures would make great pets and then they brought them home to their fish bowl. Next day, they would find a lot of dead pets and a horrific odor. They would probably clean the bowl and add fresh water, hoping to solve the problem, but one by one, the remaining sea critters continued dying. A few were still alive, but unless they got them back to the ocean, which was a six-hour trip, they would soon die too. You know, Christians face a similar situation as those sea animals. Every day we are deteriorating, dying. Sadly, not many of us know what's going on. We can't survive on our own in a hostile environment that this world offers us. The Holy Spirit provides power to live a Christian life. Only through him can we survive. Because Christ died and rescued us from the bondage of sin, we are free from sin's control. God gives us power and understanding to live according to his will. We get bogged down with worries and concerns about worldly things and, and indulge to, in worldly pleasures, not knowing it is killing us spiritually. Maybe we've been out of step with God for so long that we don't know what it's like to live a holy life. We don't even know enough to look for it. Most people of this generation have never seen a real revival. We have grown so satisfied with our jobs, our families, our friends, our everyday routines that we have forgotten to nurture our spirit. Our spirit is a part of us that will live on in eternal joy and peace with God in heaven or will end in hell, uh, eternal pain, agony, and outer darkness in hell. It's not enough just to renounce sin and evil. We must also live actively for God. To fight against lustful sin, we must say no to temptation, but we also must say yes to actively serving, serving Jesus Christ. Today, decide to take back those destructive hermit crabs that you brought home. Take them to the beach and rid yourself of what is causing a stink in your life. Decide to share the gospel with lost sinners and give the dying a chance to live. 
Christ has freed us from sin. Now the way is open for him to purify us. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, we're not only free from the sentence of death for sin, but we're purified from sin's influence as we grow in Jesus Christ. A health teacher taught his students the importance of washing their hands before eating. They took scrapings from their fingers and put them in, in petri dishes, or petri dishes, I guess, that uh, foster growth of bacteria. A few days later, they checked the results through a microscope. They found critters that could have made them sick if they had eaten them. We wash our hands before we eat, but we are careless about a far worse contamination. Listen to Isaiah in Isaiah 1.16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Isaiah showed the people the visible evidence of their evil condition, their crumbling society as a result of their moral and spiritual pollution. They lived for selfish rewards, ignoring justice and mercy and love possessions more than people. Listen again to Isaiah 1.16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Isaiah's words reflect God's love and God's plan to prepare us for heaven. Yes, God wants to prepare you to live in heaven with him. God sees the danger of sin. He points to its results. You know, so many times we, we don't stop to think about our actions, what they're going to do, what the results are going to be. I, I was thinking <clears throat> years ago, if you remember, there was a TV commercial uh, that was pushing Mar Marlboro cigarettes. The Marlboro man looked so tough and rugged and you'd think he was the very epitome of somebody in top physical condition. But what you don't know is he didn't pay attention to the dangers of smoking and he died a horrible death of lung cancer. You know, God pleads with us to be as careful with what we take into our hearts and minds. As, as, be as careful as we are with what we put into our mouths. Henry Emerson Fosdick was pastor of Riverside Church in New York City. He was touring Palestine and other countries of the Middle East. He was asked to speak at the American University of Beirut, Lebanon to a student body made up of citizens of many countries and 16 different religions. What could he say to interest such a mixed group? Fosdick began, I don't ask anyone here to change his religion, but I do ask all of you to face up to this question. What is your religion doing to your character? He challenged them to consider one of the great issues of man, religion and life. Emerson once said, what you are speaks so loudly I cannot hear a word you say. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus focused on two points, spirit and life. John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You know, those who receive his spirit and feed upon him as the bread of life 
will find fulfillment and satisfaction that nothing else can give to you. Today, Christians are so anxious to blend into the world and not make waves that we've lost our identity and our influence. It's hard to tell Christians from non-Christians anymore. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. You know, we're all so used to immorality that it seems natural anymore. Paul told Titus to teach the scriptures as well as live them. We must teach, encourage, and correct others when necessary. Robert Layton wrote uh, a thing here. He said, I received a note from my 13-year-old son's school announcing a meeting of, to preview the new course on sexuality. Parents could examine the curriculum and experience an actual lesson presented exactly as it would be given to their kids. I went to the school. I found only a dozen parents there. As we waited, I thumbed through pages of instructions telling how to prevent pregnancy or disease. Abstinence was mentioned only in passing. The teacher arrived with a school nurse. She asked if there were any questions. I asked why abstinence didn't plan a, play a bigger part in the material. I was shocked at the laughter. Someone said, if I thought abstinence had any merit, I should go back to burying my head in the sand. The teacher said, and the nurse said nothing. I drowned in my embarrassment. My mind went blank. I couldn't think of anything to say. The teacher explained the school was to teach facts. The home was responsible for moral training. I sat silent for 20 minutes as she explained the course. The other parents seemed to give their support to the materials. Donuts at the back, the teacher announced during the break. I'd like you to wear name tags that we prepared and, and mingle with the other parents. They're right by the donuts. Everyone moved to the back of the room. I watched them putting on their name tags and shaking hands and I was ashamed I hadn't been able to convince them to include a serious discussion of abstinence in the materials. I silently prayed for guidance. My thoughts were interrupted by the teacher's hand on my shoulder. Won't you join the others, Mr. Layton? She smiled at me. The donuts are good. No, thank you, I replied. Well, then, how about a name tag? I'm sure the others would like to meet you. I doubt that, I replied. Won't you please join them, she coaxed. A still, small voice whispered, don't go. I'll wait here, I said. The class came back to order. The teacher looked around the table and thanked everyone for putting on name tags. She ignored me. She said, we're going to give you the same lesson we'll be giving your children. Everyone, please peel off your name tags. I watched in silence as the tags came off. On the back of one of the tags, she said, I drew a tiny flower. Who has it? One man held it up. Here it is. All right, she said. The flower represents disease. Do you recall with whom you shook hands? He pointed to a couple people. Good, she replied. The handshake in this case is intimacy. The two people had contact with now that you had contact with now have the disease. 
There was laughter and joking among the parents. And the teacher said, and whose hand did the two of you shake? She explained how this lesson would show students how quickly diseases spread. Since we all shook hands, we all have the disease. That still small voice said, speak now, but be humble. I stood and apologized for any upset I might have caused earlier, congratulated the teacher on an excellent lesson that would impress the youth, and I said I'd only one, make one small point. Not all of us were infected, I said. One of us abstained. A TV news program reported that early-age teenagers are having sexual relationships. 50% of girls 55% of boys between ages 15 and 19 have lost their virginity. One girl, an excellent student, a, a regular church attendee who sang in the choir, had been sexually active since she was 13. Asked how she justified her religious beliefs with her actions, she replied, I try not to think about it. I don't connect them. Religion is one thing and sex is another. Many people have a problem connecting religion with their everyday actions. Jesse James killed a, a fellow in a bank robbery and shortly thereafter was baptized in the Kearney Baptist Church. He killed another man, a bank cashier, and joined the church choir and taught hymn singing. Jesse liked Sundays, but he couldn't always be there in church. On two Sundays, he robbed trains. The Bible's clear that God wants to be part of every action and decision we make. The struggle for right belief and religious tradition has been around since creation. Paul battled Gnostics who taught right beliefs in the mind had no connection to the body and daily living. Today's vocabulary supports the Gnostic view. We talk about saving souls. Christ wants our total life. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin and gr that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I like King James rendering, says, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may di discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul taught that pure hearts will produce pure lives. There is a connection between godly living and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
It's time Christians begin to live according to the Word of God. Listen, sin is still sin, and God expects holiness. Bible says in 1 Peter, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. There is no dichotomy between soul and body. We must be an example showing others Jesus makes a difference in what we say and do. The world doesn't understand, and Christians have forgotten that we don't have to live in the gutter to be happy. Actually, we will be happier and more fulfilled by living holy lives. Get back to God's standards. Be God's people. Find God's peace. And then get your heart ready to be used of God for His purpose. Dear Father, I pray that you help each one of us that we might be challenged in our lives to give you everything, to turn our lives completely to you, allow you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to allow you to set our lives apart for your holy use. Lord, there are those that are listening today that if they haven't accepted Christ as their Savior, help them to realize if they confess their sins to you and accept you as their Lord and Savior, they will be saved. If there are those that have been struggling because of the fact they've not yet made a, a sacrifice themselves, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God of their lives to you, I pray this will be the day they say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love. Help me to be what you want me to be. I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, if you want to get a hold of me, you know my phone number is 623-845-2741. You could call or you could text because I do get texts at that number. Or if you want to use my email, which I often I have a swamp with email, might miss it, but I don't mean to. But it would be lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Or you could write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. I'll be preaching tomorrow at the First Baptist Church, and we got a Bible study going in Revelation on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. If you'd like to come, I would certainly enjoy having you there. That's tomorrow morning, 9.45 for Sunday school, 11 o'clock for morning worship. Hope to see you there, and if not there, hope that you'll find a church that's preaching the gospel and be a part of it. God bless you.